Flinging waves, fox spear, lock is action, very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, black alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. He's a bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fuck is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kempex cat, Q has had enough of that, beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It is Thursday night, April 27th, 2023. It is 7.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Savings Time. That means we are live for the next two hours. You can let your fingers do the walking and call Trek Talking at 646-668-2433. And you most definitely, definitely want to do that because tonight we're going to be talking about the finale of Picard Season 3, The Last Generation, which was last week's episode because there is no episode tonight. So you have nothing else to do. But hang around the house, give us a call, 646-668-2433, and, and maybe you'll be lucky enough to win a copy of Strange New World Season 1 on Blu-ray. You never can tell, but you can't win it if you're not in it. So give us a call at 646-668-2433. But before we go too far, I want to go around and introduce you guys to my awesome truck experts. We'll start off with Charles. Charles is out in Las Vegas. How are you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good. Getting ready to kick back for a pre-made three-day weekend. So it'll be a little warm outside. Uh, I was hoping it would stick at high 80s, but I think it's going to stall at 90 today. I love it. Absolutely love it. We might see 70s next week. Yeah, we're going to have rain. We'll be in the 70s, but raining. I'll take it. Better than snow. Wow. I can can deal with rain. Rain is good. Rain is good. We also have with us our very own Eric, who's calling in from Portland tonight. How are you doing tonight, Eric? You know, I am doing pretty good, and I am super glad that unlike uh, the Starfleet system by which uh, all starships are connected, we do not require line of sight for this podcast to operate. So uh, very feeling very thankful for that, my brothers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a good thing, too. <laughs> we are not fleet formation, and that is a good thing. No, we are not. We definitely will not be assimilated. That's for sure. <laughs> And a wrapping well, up. Well, no, our, I think this whole group's too old. Well, that's <laughs> we are true. way too old. We're way too We're old. We're not twenty by double. Yes. <laughs> Maybe physically, man, but mentally, not a chance. Yeah. Paul's is still solid at eighteen. He could be assimilated. Oh, dude, I'm more like twelve. Are you, know, you kidding? <laughs> and uh, wrapping up, my truck spurts. We have also from Portland our very own toy guy, Paul. How you doing tonight, Paul? 
Hello, babe. I'm doing fine. Doing good. It's a gorgeous freaking day here in Portland, Oregon. That's all I know. And uh, it's great. we got a really fun episode uh, to talk about tonight. So feeling pretty pumped, brother. Ready for fun. It's going to be a great conversation. And before we get too far, I just a couple things I want to get out of the way. A trek Long Island is just about a month away. Um, the, everything's been finalized. All our guests have been finalized. There's some great panels that you can check out. And, um, yeah, I mean, yours truly, Uncle Jim, is going to be doing a couple of them. I'm going to be doing one on Star Trek V, The Final Frontier Revisited. And I'm also going to be doing one on Michael Burnham, The Perfect Starfleet Captain. So you guys will definitely want to check those out. And I'm also going to be in charge of the podcast panel room. And I'm not sure what, what's on the schedule for that yet, but Edward's going to get that to me. So, we'll, you know, I'll be all over the place. But as a highlight, on Saturday uh, afternoon or Saturday morning, I will be on stage with the one and only General Martok himself, J.G. Hertzler. Ooh, and that's going to be so much fun. I'm going to bring my bat lift so he can touch it, and I know he's going to want to because everyone wants to touch my bat lift. So um, that's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to it. So Trek Long Island is just about a month away, and if, if you're in the area, I urge you uh, to get some tickets and attend because we want to give them all the support they can. It's a fan-run convention. They're raising a lot of money for some great charities, and it's going to be so much fun. And Jim, this is a do you reminder. think you're going to get a word in edgewise with him? Yeah, well, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to do up my index cards. I'm going to have all my questions ready, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> well, last time, yeah, we on you the get podcast. him going, and he won't stop. No, it didn't go over too well. But this is a convention <laughs> and not a podcast, so well, <laughs> things should be different because we have to have time for Q and A from the fans. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And this is a reminder for you guys of how awesome and how much fun and what's going to be going on at Trek Long Island. Our very own Eric put together this awesome spot for us. Trek Talking would like to invite you to attend Trek Long Island at the Hyatt Regency Long Island Hotel in beautiful Hopog, New York on May 20th and 21st, 2023. Trek Long Island will have a variety of guests ranging from the original series to Discovery, Picard, Strange New Worlds, and beyond. Doug Jones, David Ajala, Oded Fayer, Franz Nguyen, Issa Briones, Evan Evagora, Raven Dauda, Sandy Gimple, Tanya Lamani, and Fumsil Satoli are just a few of the guests currently scheduled, with more to come. Enjoy interacting with celebrities at guest panels, or snag a photo op or autograph from your favorite actor. Craving the real stuff? Sit in on science panels with real scientists from NASA and accredited professionals in a variety of scientific fields. Or take in a panel where we discuss how Trek's influence on diversity and inclusion has affected Trek fans and the rest of the real world. Love podcasts? We do too. Meet the people behind the voices from Trek Talking, The Sci-Fi Sisters, Strange New Pod, Women at Warp, Roy's Tie-Dye Sci-Fi Corner, and more. Don't forget to visit the vendor room, where you will find exhibitors and authors, and where you can pick up an exclusive offering from Mego Toys. 
Purchase a general admission ticket or upgrade to the Q Pass, which offers you preferred seating, early access admission to a VIP dinner and show with actress Bonnie Gordon, and more. Trek Long Island is a family-friendly event with many programs and activities, so bring the little tribbles with you. Let's beam Trek back to the East Coast with a bang. Just visit treklongisland.com for updates and to buy your tickets. We will see you out there. Engage. So I'm I'm really excited. I want to I want to go meet Doug Jones and I want to go meet Hemmer. He's going to be there as well. And it's just going to be so much fun. So please check that out if you're in the area. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up all of the uh, housekeeping that we got to do. And uh, I just want to let you know that we have 137,775 followers on our Facebook page. That's just incredible. And we have 124,246 downloads of this podcast, which is absolutely cool we couldn't do it without you guys and uh yeah so let's let's move right along because we got a lot to talk about so um every week on our facebook page and and eric eric how can people get to our facebook page the quickest easiest way oh man well the the quickest easiest way is you're like well where where do i want to go oh yeah that's right that podcast its name was trek talking right okay so if you just go to trektalking.com we got a link, man. Just look for the big F, click on it, you go to our Facebook page. Boom, you're done. That's it. Yeah, quick and easy. And when you get there, you'll see a pin post at the top of the of the show page, Live Long and Prosper, asking you where you're listening from. Just tell us, and if you see a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim, you are going to be featured in a future fan shout-out. So, Eric, do you want to get us started with our fan shout-outs this week? Do I ever, man. We are going to spin that globe all the way to the other side of the planet, and we're going to say hello to top fan Peter McLean Nielsen, who is hailing from Brisbane in Queensland, Australia, sending us that Australian flag, live long and prosper. Well, live long and prosper to you, Peter. Thanks for supporting us way down there in the Southern Hemisphere. We really, really appreciate it, and I super hope to make it to your country and even your area one day. It looks amazing. Live long and prosper to you peace and long life. We're also saying hello this week to Yvonne Zoleg-Banau, who is saying hello to us from Wuppertal, Germany. Wuppertal, Germany. Thank you so much, Yvonne. I love your little smiley face. That's super cute. And we're saying hello to you and really appreciating the fact that you're supporting us right in the center of Europe, from which all other European countries sort of surround Uh, So hello, and thank you so much, Yvonne. We're also saying hello this week to top fan Kev Siruthen from Edinburgh, Scotland. Kev, top fan status means that you interact with us a ton on our Facebook page, and we really appreciate that because not only does it help us uh, understand what the fans like, but it's just darn fun. So thank you so much. Kapla to you, Kev. And my last fan shout-out this week goes out to Natasha Cordoso de Alameda, from Switzerland, but living in Mallorca, Spain. Ooh, that sounds like another cool place to go. Natasha, thank you so much for supporting us in Spain. Charles, I am going to pass that whole fan shout-out situation over to you, brother. Take it away. Well, I'm going to flip it right back over to our side, our side of the globe. Let's start off with Tara Huffman from Idaho. Welcome, Tara. Bill... 
and Wrens. I'm in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Yeah, how's the weather up in Michigan? A little cool up there? Top fan, Darlene Ordway from South Carolina. I got family up the Carolinas. I think he's in I think they're in north. And Darren Bremer from Indianapolis, Indiana. Love Indianapolis. I've been to the Speedway once. Dave. Dave's not here again? Okay. Jonathan D. Peters in the bottom corner of Alabama. Like the other corner, Dave? Don't like the other corner, Jonathan? Top fan, Jonathan N. Faith Guzman from Northern California. Oh, I need to get up into your part of the, your neck of the woods one of these days. Gene Reynolds, born on the East Coast of the USA, grew up on the West Coast in Hawaii, now Colorado. Oh, what part of Colorado? Enjoy that. That's another good state to drive through. Carrie Cad Desmond, so cool to see where everybody's from. Northern Minnesota girl here. Known as the Iron Range. I didn't know that. I'd be curious why it's called the Iron Range. Paul, I bet you're gonna grab a plane and start flying to the other end of the continent. I am, man. I'm in planet. Midair as we speak, uh, flying back over across the pond there to uh, not Alabama, Birmingham, but Birmingham, United Kingdom. It is smack dab in the West Midlands. It's about right in the middle of the country. Uh, land of many amazing canals, uh, soft spot for me. It's where a lot of my people are from. And we're today we are saying hello to Adam Lears, not just a fan, but a top fan in Birmingham, UK. So wonderful to hear from you, Adam. Thanks so much for being a fan and for uh, saying hello. Not too far away, uh, if we uh, do a little uh, trip over the water there, uh, fan Peter Harrell is saying hello to us from uh, the island of Guernsey in the Channel Islands. Uh, it's about a smack dab between uh, Plymouth and uh, France is where that is, just, uh, just in the middle of the Channel, a little bit uh, next door to the Isle of Jersey, if you will. So a wonderful spot to hang your hat, my friend. But you see all kinds of interesting things there in Guernsey. So, Peter? Thanks for listening, and thanks for being a fan of Star Trek. Next up, I'd like to give a big shout-out, mighty kapla, to Josef Bazuznas, who's from Hungary, but in spirit, I'm an American, and especially from Bozeman, Montana, and San Francisco, California. <laughs> Josef, wonderful I to hear that. from you, man. I love you have it. all kinds of different things pollinating your background and where your uh, spiritual latitude and longitude intersect. So absolutely great to hear from you. Thanks for being a fan. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us here at Trek Talking. And finally, for me, um, I have been lucky enough to have this uh, particular designation pop up a lot lately. And it's just great to know that, uh, no surprise, an amazing country should have so many amazing Star Trek fans in it. But I would say hello and hola to Carlos Pacheco in the beautiful country of Costa Rica, uh, I see that flag flying. I see the live long and prosper, Carlos. Uh, pura Vida, my friend. And uh, thanks for reaching out to us and being a fan of the show and all things track. Let's pass it over to Uncle Jim. Yeah, I've got some great ones here. Some of them are, are kind of local for me. We want to say thank you 
and Kaplata top fan Stephen Verbridge, who's listening to us right now in Rochester, New York. In fact, I have family in Rochester, New York, so that's pretty cool. We also want to say thank you to top fan Zed Gibson, who's listening right now in Kentucky in U.S. of A. We want to say Kaplata Eric Werner, who's listening in Dallas, Texas, flashing us the Live Long and Prosper logo. And uh, I, I forgot, what Eric, what did the Klingons say on Lower Deck? Uh, it wasn't Live Long and Prosper. It was Short Die and uh, Live Short and Die Each. Live, oh, man. Uh, on the spot, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Live short and die easy, I think, to cling on. I'll have to look it up. But at any I'll rate, look it up. thank you so much for, to Eric Warner from Dallas, Texas, for listening. And last but definitely not least, we want to say kapla and thank you to Sylvia Almarez, who's listening to us in New York, USA, and flying the American flag. I don't know if that's New York State or New York City, but at any rate, thank you so much to Sylvia for being a fan and listening to this podcast. And now, without further ado, it's time for Star Trek Birthdays. That was not a Klingon song. No, Worf, it was not a Klingon song, but why don't you join us and make it a threesome? <laughs> okay, guys, we always start off our Star Trek birthdays by remembering those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim, this week we just have four members of our Star Trek community that we're going to be remembering. The very first is actor David Burney. David Burney played Senator Lettent and the Lettent alien in Star Trek Deep Space Nine's six-season episode, Tears of the Prophets. Uh, David Burney was of Irish descent and... uh, interestingly, was the Grand Marshal of the Irish Fair held in Burbank, California, all throughout the 1980s. He was also a guest star veteran of many popular series from the 60s all the way through the 90s, uh, including just about everything you can think of, uh, you know, Love Boat and all the shows that sort of surrounded that. Yes, I just used Love Boat as the epicenter of 80s television. The part of Bernie in the comedy series Bridget Loves Bernie was probably his most popular role. Uh, This, in fact, made him a well-known name across America, and he earned numerous awards as a result. He also played Cadmus in another 90s show that I know Jim loves, Sliders. Yeah, that's right. He was on an episode of Sliders. Birney is also one of the very few actors to have lent his talents to both the Star Trek and Star Wars franchises, having provided the voice of Anakin Skywalker in NPR's radio drama adaptation of Return of the Jedi. So I think that's... Pretty cool. David Burney, uh, born in 1939. We just lost him in April of 2022 last year at the ripe old age of 83 years old. Happy birthday and lots of love going out to you, sir. Happy birthday as well to Yes. Eric, he has one of the most famous, famous lines in Star Trek. I think it's as as well known as Live Long and Prosper. 
I think. Well, you're you're probably right, Jim, and it's probably one of the best known memes out there on the internet as well. Uh, you might remember in that episode, he is the Romulan uh, who sort of discovers the shady stuff that the Federation slash Cisco is trying to do, and he says, "What does he say?" He says, "It's a fake." <laughs> <laughs> Such a great line. And and the way he delivers it is just so great, and I love the fact that um, it's become kind of an internet sensation. <laughs> that when people want to say something similar to that, they just post a meme to say it's a fake. Uh, so fun. <laughs> Thank you for uh, making sure I didn't blow past that, Jim. That was an important part of his character for sure. Yeah, because he's going to go. He will be known forever for that meme. It's everywhere. Yeah. Absolutely I mean, right. It's, yeah, it's and it's so funny because he did that, you know, way back when, kind of bef- not before the internet, but before like the internet that we have now. <laughs> and it feels like that has just that it's a fake thing has just really stood the test of time. So thank you, David Burney, awesome Romulan, um, cool career man. You you did lots of cool stuff. So happy birthday to you. <laughs> um, we're. We're going to say happy birthday as well to actress Jill Ireland. Jill Dorothy Ireland was the English actress who played Layla Colomi in the original series first season episode, This Side of Paradise. Um, Jill started her career uh, when she was only 16 years old as a dancer and made her credited screen debut in 1955 in Michael Powell's Oh, Rosalinda. Uh, after uh, she had kind of another bit part in another movie. That was her first credited role. Uh, Years later, she had kind of two famous marriages, uh, which is not to say anything about her career, but she is well-connected. She was married to David McCallum from 1957 to 1967 and had three children with him. And then from 1968 until her death, she was married to... Charles Bronson, uh, somebody who I believe most people have heard of. And coincidentally, both Bronson and McCallum appeared in the movie The Great Escape, which if you haven't seen that movie, you absolutely should. But moving back to Jill, um, she had kind of an interesting uh, and unfortunately sad thing happened to her, but she turned it to good, I would say. She was diagnosed with cancer in her right breast in 1984 and underwent a mastectomy as a result. And she wrote about her battle and became an advocate for the American Cancer Society, which led to the organization giving her its Courage Award. Ireland was presented with the award by President Ronald Reagan back in 1984. And tragically, she did lose her battle with the disease uh, in 1990 at only 54 years old. But she did leave behind not only a legacy of uh, social active, well, activism related to breast cancer, but also uh, she wrote two autobiographical novels, one called Life Wish, uh, which was about her experiences after being diagnosed with breast cancer, and Lifelines, about her adopted son's drug addiction. So uh, go check out Jill Dorothy Ireland's books, if you will, and uh, let's celebrate her connection to Star Trek today as Layla Colomi. Happy birthday, Jill. Happy birthday as well to a great actor uh, and somebody whose face I remember from long ago, K.E. Cooter. Uh, He was the stage, film, and television actor who played the Cytherian in the Next Generation fourth season episode, The Nth Degree, sort of one of those one-off aliens that we see. Um, He was born in Los Angeles, California, very 
kind of connected to the whole acting thing right from the beginning, beginning his career in the mid-1950s with a number of small television and film roles, uh, many of them uncredited, and then he eventually got a reoccurring role in Petticoat Junction, and then subsequently got another recurring role in Green Acres, two shows which I think uh, most of you from the late 60s and early 70s have heard of. He never married in his life, but was survived by a sister uh, and several nieces and nephews. He appeared in a number of films, and the one that I first saw him in was back in 1984, of course, The Last Starfighter. Such a great, great movie. I just, I don't know. I just love that movie. It's got a real connection. I think it's probably when yeah. it came out. It just touched me uh, in a particular um, way when I was that age. A movie that also has Mark Alimo in it, you might remember, um, as well as several other Star Trek alumni. Kay would also go on in the 90s to uh, be in another show that I think was very popular that most people have seen, Seinfeld, uh, with Jason Alexander and the rest of the gang. He also did some stuff in Frasier and The Pretender in the 90s. And then if you heard a commercial that was about Hershey's Kisses in the 1990s, K.E. Cooter was the guy that you heard. He did Hershey's Kisses commercials for 14 years of his life. Uh, unfortunately, we lost him back in 2003. So K.E. Cooter playing the role of the Cytherian in that fourth season episode, The Nth Degree of TNG. Happy birthday to K.E. Cooter. And last but certainly not least, we're saying happy birthday this week to Vic Perrin. Vic Perrin played Tharn in the original series second season episode, Mirror, Mirror. Uh, Vic was originally from Menominee Falls, Wisconsin, which is kind of up around the way from where I'm from. Uh, He began his acting career on the radio back in the 40s, his earliest work uh, coming in 1946 as an announcer on the Hollywood Music Hall. He became a frequent heavy on the radio, in fact, uh, participating in Western series radio versions of Gunsmoke, Uh, One Man's Family in Fort Laramie, and over the next 40 years appeared in almost 40 movies and television series, about 100 television guest appearances, and really innumerable radio broadcasts. He was all over the place on the radio. Uh, But he kind of got his face well-known when he got into Dragnet. He was very well-known, both in the original series from 1952 to 1959 and that revival series in the 60s, playing a different role every single time he showed up on screen, which was pretty cool. Uh, He also had a particular talent for voices, uh, as probably as a result of his radio background, did several voiceover roles. In fact, in Star Trek, provided many kind of background voices and uh, just voices of things that you would hear in various episodes uncredited. Uh, And if you're a fan of that 1960s cartoon Johnny Quest, you might also remember him as the evil Dr. Zinn. So, uh, I do. The, uh, of the Star Treks, he did two really big ones, too. Yeah, yeah. I, yes, I mean, well, I mean, uh, Mirror, Mirror alone, uh, to me, is one of those quintessential episodes because it introduces us to a, the whole idea of multiple universes in Star Trek, which I think is really cool. Yeah. But in addition to that, you know, you know, the other two that he did that I think are super popular is in Arena, oh, when yeah. the Metron shows up at the end. He was the Metron voice, you know, not the not the actor that we see, of course, but yes. he was the the voice. And then he was Nomad. Mm. Yeah, and it's funny there is a similarity to those two voices, right? 
Yeah, very kind of stentorian, very deep kind of in back of yeah, the throat, rah, kind of rah, 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 authoritarian, rah. sort of half psychotic kind of, you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> That's right. disembodied kind of voices. But uh, he was great at that, right? And you just sort of get kind of a creepy, uh-oh, we're in trouble kind of vibe from him. But uh, terrific, man. But Nomad, that scared the hell out of me. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. I mean, that you know, even when I saw it in, uh, you know, sort of many years after it was made, it was still... I love that whole idea of this sentient machine, you know, and that voice is, I think, part of the thing that kind of brings it to life, for sure. So, yeah. uh, Vic Perrin, uh, we lost him uh, it, back in 1989, unfortunately, but his birthday would have been April 26th, just yesterday. He was born in 1916. Uh, so, Vic Perrin, uh, yeah, wow. great voice. Great voice, great role uh, as Tharn. So a happy birthday and lots of love and remembrances going out to Victor H. Perrin. Uh, Charles, I'm going to pass that birthday candle right over to you, and let's take care of those folks who are still with us. Well, I'm going to hold that candle candle for just a moment and let Jim jump in between us. Yeah. We've, we have a caller on the line, and I, I don't like to keep callers waiting too long. So um, we're going to take a call right now, and then we'll get right back to our birthdays already in progress. So let's let's get this caller. Hello. Thank you for calling Tech Talk, and what's your name, and where are you calling us from tonight? Hello? Hello? Kabam. You are live. Ray. Hey, Ray. Ray. What's happening down in the Bronx tonight? Hey. Yo, okay, the Yankees game be coming. Game come on in a few minutes. I came uh, I came home early today, but I don't have nothing to talk about. Yo, but yo, but I just bought a DVD, which I don't know if you guys saw it, but this movie is like you know, um, you ever know the movie called A Man Called Otto with Tom Hanks? Yes, yes. Yo, yep. I just finished watching this, like about five minutes. That is the most grumpiest mother of a book in bridge she is. That movie is so good. I can't I, I just been watching the I, I just been watching it. Just now. Yeah, Tom Hanks is really good in that for sure. The you, you know, I I I I was saying, I thought Forrest Gump was good. He took Forrest Gump to a freaking Sun School picnic and leave him there. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Like I say, I had to quote that and let you know what's going on. I'm getting ready to watch the baseball game again. The Yankees get the Rangers. But you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Before I watch that, I'm going to quote you let you guys know. Uh, you know, I heard about it so many times. I said, Mr. So I went to Best Buy in the Bronx where I live at. And it was sitting there, you know, uh, uh, you know, blue. I said, I said, okay, okay, so I'm going to grab it. So I grab it around about like um, 2.30. Right, I came on when like fortish, and I sat down and I'm watching this. Right, I turned my phone off, everything off. Right, I was I wasn't watching, I wasn't watching, and I'm sitting watching for two hours straight. And I'm saying to myself, I thought I was being punished. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey Ray, is Degrom pitching tonight for the Rangers against the Yankees? Yes. Yeah, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a good game. Too bad he went to the Rangers. Good game. 
Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. First of all, wait a minute. First of all, okay, I love Texas, but I love Texas, but I'm not gonna go. Um, I'm not. I'm not going down to Texas right now. I'm not doing all that now. Okay, okay. I never been. I never go to go to all that. But all I know, but all I know is that this is gonna be a good game. I, I'm hoping. I'm hoping so. And like I said, like, like, like I said before, I don't gamble money. But like I said, like I said, if I was a gambling a gambling man right now, I'll probably put like. Like like a hundred bucks right right now for you know what I'm saying for my team, you know what I'm saying you know what I'm saying going on. But other than that, let's let's see what happens. So how you guys doing tonight? Um, you guys doing doing good tonight? Be a good game, good game. Oh yeah, things are going good here tonight, man. We get to talk about the last episode of Picard. You kidding me? This is like going to be one of my favorite episodes of Trek Talking ever. Yo. I I I I I got I got a DVR right now. I got I got I got I got a DVR right now. A DVR, cause trust me, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it on tomorrow. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna tomorrow. I'll watch it. I'll let you guys know next week what is going on and everything else. But what, I mean, if I had to make one comment. The last off fight you said earlier, yes, I love that flick too, man. Last Starfighter is a good movie for sure. So, yes, it, it is. is. And, 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 yeah, and, 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 and you know, you know, you know, you came on, came on, on the other day. I'm like, oh, shoot. I said, yo, let me sit down and watch it. I, I, like I tell you, like, you know, like, I, I haven't seen, like, for so long. Let me sit down and watch this. Yeah, and the then, only problem it, is that if you catch it in syndication, they always cut out, like, it just is it like it's all over the place in syndication, right? You can watch this movie on Sunday afternoon on any one of a number of cable channels, but like they always cut out stuff and chop it up for. So I, if you really want to get the the feel of the movie, you gotta you gotta rent it or you know pop in the VHS. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I, mean I try and find the DVD now for it. Like I say, I, I still have the um. The original VHS on the last sofa. I got that for it. But I mean, the front DVD. That made that made I got to do one thing. I, I got to go to Amazon to find it. To find it with Amazon. Amazon to find it. Like I said, uh, you know, uh, Amazon got a lot of stuff. Brothers, forgive, forgive me saying this one more thing. So I'm trying to get one single DVD, and, and I know there's Matt old Vice Squad. Hmm. Yep. That's an old. Oh yeah. Yeah, you guys talked about that last yeah. week. I haven't seen it. You see Vice War? No, dude, I, 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 it's, it's pre me, and I, it's not one of those shows that I've gone back and seen. But you brought it up last week, and I feel like I need to see it now. Yes, you need to see that. And then what about, uh, one more thing for John Carpenter, and I, I, I got it a while back. Uh, what's that? Okay, I mean, you got the thing with John Carpenter. There's another thing you got to see with John Carpenter. The one with Ryan Wright Piper. Um, they live. They live. I mean, I mean that. Movie. Uh, um, that movie where Wild Rapper had, you know, w- w- you know, w- w- with the sunglasses on, uh, you know, t- you know, saying that they see the alien, the see the alien trying to take, 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 take over the earth. That's John, a good one you know, too. Like I said, and my favorite, my favorite line like this, my favorite line like this is like this to, to me. I just came in to get some bubblegum and blow some stuff up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I came here. That point came in the store to my with a shotgun in the middle of the my. Uh, I just came to get, I came to get some bubble gum and shoot stuff up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know me. I love my classics. I love my classics. I mean, I, like I said, I'm only 50 years old, but I love my classics. <laughs> well, well, well if, we're, 
Ray, if we're talking John Carpenter, we got to talk about Escape from New York. I got that. Yeah. I got that. I got but, but, but you know what's wrong about that? The one is the, the second one, um, Escape from L.A. I was saying, like, okay, it's like a remake in the way that I, I, saw, I saw the movie. To, I was like, what, um, 23. It came out of the movie to, in 96, right? And then the wild thing about that is, it's like the first one, but you know, it's like you know, it's like it changed stuff around. I said, I I love the original one, and I you know the original you know what I'm saying the original one, you know what I'm saying and, and like you know even though it was eighty one, and even though uh, even though it was no um GS um GS during that time, but I said the only what I think about is like this that part when the Duke of New York came in came in goes his brain right why is the cat why got why he have his cat a cat like with chandeliers. <laughs> that, that was remember just that the thing. Remember that part? That was, uh, remember when you were in New York? We came to go see Brain and and and, and then the Cadillac. Well, uh, you, you know the hard uh, uh, had Cadillac, right? And then he got two chandeliers on both sides of the top of the hood and chandelier inside the car. So that always bugged me out. Every time I see it, that always bugged me out. I'm like, yo, what the what 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 is this? And then and then and then and then you got my man Isaac Hayes was looking at freaking like a doorman with you know see a doorman coat on and, and jeans and cobble boots. That's the Duke of New York. Yeah, I know the Duke I'm saying I love my classics, man. I love my classics. Yep, I hear you. I hear you, Ray. I'm right there with you. All right, guys. Me, all right, guys okay, so, guys, let me just get, get ready to watch this game. I call guys next week. I said, I already got my book on DVR, ready to record. Um, after that, I'll watch it tomorrow. And next Thursday, I'll be ready to go because I know we're going we're gonna to have a lot, of, a lot of discussion about that part. And yeah, good luck. I hope the Yankees can, can hit the Grom. Good luck with that. Right. I also too. I also took I said because um be honest with you, my mother in law is really crushing me out right by now. Well, good luck. We hope we yeah. hope they can pull it off. And thanks so much for calling, Ray. We love to hear from you. Ain't time. Kapla, my brother. Kapla. Kapla, Ray. Kapla. Kapla. Later. <laughs> Take it easy, Ray. All right, Always. guys. That was the rocks. He's. He's going to be sitting down to watch the Yankee game tonight. The Rangers are facing off against the New York Yankees in the house that Ruth built. And uh, DeGrom is going to be on the mound for the Texas Rangers. So we'll see how that goes. All right, we're going to move back to our birthdays um, already in progress. And we're going to handle that birthday candle right over to Charles. Take it away, Charles. All right. Thank you, Jim. Let's start off with Rod Loomis. Paul Mannheim is Star Trek Generation's first season episode, We'll Always Have Paris. Came from soap opera background, Bold and the Beautiful, General Hospital, but also a character I'm sure many of us are familiar with. He played Sigmund Freud in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Keith also played Jason Vigo in the the seventh season episode, Bloodlines. Also has some soap opera traits, uh, quite a few episodes in Young and the Restless. 
also came with a series I'm not familiar with, a movie TV series called Super Force. Manu, Eric can help me with this one because I always mess up his name. Who's or that, Paul. Uh... Manu. Oh, Sorry, buddy. Uh, Manu Interiami. Thank you. And hard pronunciation because I know I was looking it up. The first name is uh, Hawaiian. And I forgot now what the other half of it is. Who betrayed the former Borg drone Egypt in 11 episodes, the 6th and 7th season of Voyager. And it was a guest star of us last year, I believe. You know, uh, little known fact, there are few people who can defeat uh, Tuvok at Kalto but I will say that Icheb is one of the few people that has defeated uh, Tuvok at Kalto. But granted, you know, Tuvok had a little neurological condition that he had to deal with. But still, I, I give kudos to Icheb, man. He's a smart kid. Yeah. He, he is a was. smart kid. In fact, let me do a... And he was, he was great. on. We had him on the podcast, too. He was a lot of fun. Okay. His, by the way, we looked it up. His first name is Hawaiian. His last name is Lincoln. Interesting. Yes. Gabriel Damon, at the age of 13, played Jeremy Astar in Star Trek's Next Generation third season episode, Bonding. He was a childhood actor who played against a lot of famous actors. But by the time... He got of age in the 2000s. He left the entertainment industry and decided to become a real estate agent. Oh, that's quite a career change. Yep. I guess he's, he worked with too many act, too many famous people and decided he just didn't want to be in Hollywood. You know, I think I, I could totally see myself doing that. Like if I had been an actor and gotten involved in acting, I think at some point you would get exhausted by certain aspects. Or some people could get exhausted by certain aspects of the business and want to just totally pivot. So I can respect that. Yep. Daniel Cash played Dugan in Star Trek. Discovery, third season episode, Terra Firma Part 2, and has Mazzaro in fourth season episode, All In. Emily Burge, Burgle played Bethany in Star Trek, Epi- Star Trek Enterprise, third season episode, Northern Star. Ah, I think I lost some notes somewhere. Becky Wallstrom, actress from Chicago, Illinois, played this fan. Co-genitor. Co-genitor. Co-genitor in Star Trek Enterprise second season episode, Co-genitor. Yeah, that's one of those, if you're, if you have, if you've skipped Star Trek Enterprise, for Lord's sake, go and watch the episode Cogenitor. You must. 
There's my one note I was looking for. Deborah Wilson, actress, comedian, and voice off voice artist who played Captain Lisa Kuzak in DS9 sixties an episode, The Sound of Her Voice, and Captain Trigi yeah. Tridge in Star Trek's Prodigy's first season episode, Supernova Part 1. Rather interesting. Started as a major cast member from this, from this TV series, Mad TV. Started looking at her credits way down the line. All kinds of TVs and movies. But no voice roles on animated and video games and movies, including doing voice work for Star Wars Episodes 8 and 9. And I think she was even... Yep. In fact, I think she was even in um, Fallout 66 in one of the expansions. And Sophia Webster, who played Big in Star Trek Strange New World's first season episode, Momentum Mori, where we got some serious details about the Gorn. That was Gorn-tastic. That was sure. Gorn-tastic, but not a whole lot to go into with Sophia right now. She's only That was only her fourth role. Fourth, uh, role she's done. But I'm sure she's got a pretty good future. <laughs> As I'm done and taking my breath, Paul, who's on your list? Well, Charles, there's all kinds of folks, and uh, I'm going to try to go briskly, because I know we're running behind, and uh, I want to get to talking about last week's big finale. First of all, uh, top of the pyramid for me, a uh, massive happy birthday to one of the living legends in the universe, rock singer, songwriter, and occasional actor, who uh, has appeared on Star Trek in Deep Space Nine six season episode, The Magnificent Ferengi. I'm talking about the one and only Iggy Pop. <laughs> A.K.A. James Newell Osterberg Jr. <laughs> we all know him as Iggy Pop, and occasionally he will do a film uh, in his very striking presence. Uh, no question about that. So go check out your uh, Deep Space Nine magnificent Ferengi and see Iggy Pop doing his thing. Happy birthday, brother! Happy birthday also goes out to Lisa Kamenier, who played Lilius in the Star Trek Voyager third season episode Rise. We are also celebrating the birthday of actor Jeffrey Binney, who played Compton in the original series third season episode, Wink of an Eye. Moving back uh, where Eric just was a little while ago to Star Trek Enterprise, a third season episode, Carpenter Street, we are saying happy birthday to Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who played the Zindi Reptilian Damron on that uh, third season episode. Again, Carpenter Street. Isis J. Jones is having a birthday. Isis Jones, we are digging you, my friend, because you played the young Guinan in the Star Trek Next Generation six-season episode, Rascals. That's a fun episode. A lot of people dismiss it, but it's really entertaining, and it's a really nice piece of casting with Isis Jones because she's got that Guinan attitude in that little girl at the time. So really cool. Uh, you definitely could feel pretty cool if you pulled off a role like that when you were that young. So really, really neat, and uh, I'm a big fan of that particular episode. I think it's really cool. 
We're also saying happy birthday to actress Bonnie Beecher, uh, another original series actor who played the character of Sylvia in the third season episode Spectre of the Gun. Old uh, Clampett's, uh, was it, no, who was it? There was O.K. Corral, was it uh, the McClory's? And I can't remember who the other gang was, but you know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. The whole, yeah, I want to say Clampett's, but that's not right. <laughs> Somebody yeah, check me. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to do it really quick, man. Oh, <laughs> dude, it's terrible. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> I feel like I should know that. And I'm a big Western guy, and it's, it's kind of embarrassing game. that I can't figure out who this was, right? Um, so you got the Clantons, uh, right? You got the Clantons. It was the Earps. The Earps, <laughs> the Earps there right? There we go. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. Oh, oh my God. God. And then there was the Clantons. Not the, the Clampets, the Clantons. No, Clantons. Clantons, yeah. The Clantons and the Herbs. Oh my God! I think it's. Uh, it's is it? Are we sure it's not Friday? Because it felt like Friday to me all day. Feels like it. Sorry about that, Bonnie Beecher. Kind of fumbled your intro there as we were trying to remember uh, Specter of the Gun. But that's another really fun episode. That's cool to watch and uh, makes a lot of tips of the hat to classic westerns and uh, western mythology. So happy birthday, Bonnie Beecher. In Wrath of Khan, we're saying hello to and happy birthday to John Vargas, who played Jetta. Uh, in that uh, wonderful, classic, exciting motion picture, Wrath of Khan. And a bunch of years later, he played uh, on Star Trek Voyager uh, and played the character of Tao in the fourth season episode, Concerning Flight. Very cool. That's a good one, too. In fact, I think that's the one, I think, where uh, Janeway's Leonardo da Vinci kind of gets loose, right? And he's kind of ambulatory, if I'm not mistaken, because that's a cool title. Yeah, for yeah, that. I yeah, I need to go back yeah, and watch that again. That's a great, the whole idea of uh, him being someone she goes in the holodeck and has, you know, inspiration with. That's so cool. Yeah, I and, I, and I always love episodes that have that whole, like, one of the coolest things about Voyager is that they're out there and, like, resources is a big thing, right? So I think that episode starts with somebody stealing something from the Enterprise and it's kind of a big resource thing uh, that they need to figure out like that's the opening to the episode which i yeah. i don't know like that's why i love the void that episode is one of my favorite voyager episodes because it's just like we're seventy thousand light years from home and we got nothing to refill the gas tank right <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah do? really enjoy we've been going back and watching some of those uh, older voyager episodes and they're great they're really really fun especially once you know sorry but once they bring seven of nine on there and there's a little more conflict i think it was that she was a, a missing component I think on she that was. show, and I feel like she was like yeah. it really added a lot of interesting things to explore in there. And I feel like the writers were really kind of up in their game as a whole at that point too. Not just with her character, but just in general developing the characters a little bit more. So really interesting to go back and watch the show again. Um, and then finally, for me, happy birthday goes out to uh, someone who we all enjoy uh, listening to and is just absolutely hilarious. Actor Jack Quaid, American actor who voices Brad Boimler <laughs> on Star Trek Lower Decks. As a character name you gotta love, but uh, keeps us laughing and uh, with that earnest delivery that we all appreciate. So, happy birthday there across the spectrum of Star Trek franchises. Well, another thing Jack's well known for right now is his scream. Fans love his screaming, screaming on lower decks. He does scream a lot, doesn't he? Yeah. He does, and that's his own voice. That's his own. Per, that's his own scream. 
Well, I'll, next time I'll have to pay a little bit more attention. I, I'm, I'm not getting it specifically just because, you know, it's, it's probably in the oh. background for me. But uh, I will check it out oh. and be like, well, yeah, that yeah, must be check it out. When he sits there and gets frightened, <laughs> you hear him scream. And it's like, oh, there's Jack. That's funny. That's funny. And I but think, that's I it for me. He's known, he's known right now for the boys with Carl Urban as well. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Super. He'd be different than the role he plays on Star Trek. So, well, Jim, I'm going to pass it over to you, buddy, so we can get rocking yeah. and rolling. Take it I away. Don't have, I don't have a lot, but I do have some good ones. We want to say happy birthday to Kate Vernon, who played a member of Species 8472, impersonating Commander Valerie Archer. I wonder if there's any relation there. And Star Trek yes. Voyager fifth season episode, In the Flesh. Uh, she also played Captain Sonia Alexander in the fan film Prelude to she worked with Tony Todd, J.G. Hurtler, Gary Graham, Alex Peters, and Ryan T. Husk. We had her, I had her, on the podcast a long time ago. You can find it in the archives if you go to trucktalking.com. She was a great guest, a lot of fun to talk to. Happy birthday to Kate Vernon. I believe, I think she was on Battlestar Galactica, too, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, anyways, so happy birthday to Kate Vernon. The next one I'm excited about because I'm going to be meeting him at Trek Long Island. I can't say enough great things about Trek Long Island. Um, this is one of the uh, many actors who had the opportunity to play Mr. Spock over the course of the years, but he's one of four actors who played Mr. Spock, aside from Leonard Nimoy, in Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. He was a 13-year-old Spock um, in Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. So I'm pretty excited about that. We also want to say happy birthday to Melinda Clark, who played Sarah in the Star Trek Enterprise first season episode of Broken Arrow. We want to say happy birthday to Olivia Berkland, who played engineer Marla Gilmore in Star Trek Voyager's fifth and sixth season episodes, Equinox Part 1 and Equinox Part 2. And uh, the next one, we want to say happy birthday to Lisa Wilcox, who portrayed Yuda in the Star Trek The Next Generation third season episode, The Vengeance Factor. But for me, as a horror fan, I know her as Alice from the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, part four, The Dream Master, and part five, The Dream Child. Uh, and I always save the Klingons for last. And uh, yeah, I've got some good ones here. One really good one in particular from one of my favorite, favorite movies. We want to say happy birthday to Alan Oliver, who played Captain Dino in DS9's episode, The Jem Hadar. He was the captain of the USS Odyssey, I think it was, uh, that the Jem Hadar took out when they went through the wormhole. Yeah, so it's Star- too bad. Yeah. You can ram yep. an Odyssey, and you can ram a Galaxy-class starship and blow it up. Yep, and that's what they did. Uh, he also played Nazu, Ambassador in Voyage Episodes Rise, but I'm mentioning him because he played Koreth in the TNG episode The Rightful Heir. Uh, so there's my Klingon tie-in, and boy, I saved the absolute best for the absolute last. Um, my next birthday goes out to, I think, one of the best Klingons and one of the best Star Trek movies, my favorite for sure, anyways. And we've had her on this podcast several times. She's absolutely awesome. And you can go to the archives and listen to our interview with her. She's great. I'm talking about the awesome Spice Williams Crosby, 
who played Vixus in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. A lot of fun, great actress, and she speaks Klingon to boo. All right, guys, that wraps up our Star Trek birthdays. Um, every week, I ask you guys on our Facebook page to score this week's episode on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best. So, Eric, what did – oh, and I, there's a little note I got to – well, I'll let Eric get to that. So, Eric, what did our Facebook fans have to say about The Last Generation? Oh, man, I have to tell you, Jim, like, generally speaking, our fans absolutely love this episode. Um, first and foremost, I need to tell you that any score that we – that a fan gives us that is more than 10 <laughs> – we count as a 10. Like, if you give us a 37, I'm sorry, but we're not going to weight it as a 37. We're going to weight it as a 10. So just to let you know, <laughs> you could try that 37, but it ain't going to work. Uh, so nope. anyway, uh, top fan Rhiannon McKenzie said uh, they gave it a 10. 10 to the 10th power, which, of course, is counted as a 10. <laughs> Best Trek episode ever. Not just the nostalgia, but the all-out love that went into making it, the writing, the directing sets, the Easter eggs, the humorous moments, and the special bond, all the actors uh, that managed to keep all the years, uh, you know, shown through, they, 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 the, the connection that they all had. It made me feel like I watched all good things just last week, not 30 years ago. Thank, thank you so much, Rian, and I completely agree with you. Susan Burke Giganti says a 50 <laughs> exclamation point counted as a 10. It was a love song to the fans and the franchise, and the ending was perfect. Sherry Burgess Johnson said 10. The nod, to, the nod to Anton Yelchin in the beginning had me in tears. Ugh, me too, Sherry. Ashley Hill said 10. 35-year Borg story. Heart. Top fan Julian Phillips gave it a 10, most emotion in a Star Trek episode since What We Leave Behind. Oof, nice comparison. Top fan Tom Patrick said 12. Tom, that's a 10. I remember watching Farpoint in 87 and being blown away by the newness and possibility of new adventure. I watched Last Generation with extreme nostalgia and fondness, but also excited for the possibility of new adventures on the... Enterprise G. Boldly go. Thanks, Tom. Pam White gave it a 10. Through the tears, I was crying. Top fan Martin Young said, most definitely 110. Sorry, Martin. <laughs> Blimey, I went through every emotion watching the final episode. Me too, brother. Oof, intense. Top fan Rob Scheibel said, I give it a 7. To me, the best trek is thoughtful and emotional, like Inner Light or Measure of a Man. Occasionally, it's thoughtful and action-packed, like Best of Both Worlds. Picard was nostalgic, and some of the character arcs were fun, but it was by no means original or thought-provoking. Definitely entertaining, though. Thanks, Rob. Top fan Rich Chang said, definitely a 10, a much more fitting send-off for the TNG cast than the Star Trek Nemesis movie, and a good setup for a possible Star Trek Legacy series. Mmm, interesting idea, Rich. Milton Hargrave said 10, best Trek ever. And the ending, does it mean new Trek? Maybe. Roy Woodcock said 10 from me. I found this tribute to Anton Yelchin very moving, excellently wrapped up, 
a gripping storyline with the perfect twist at the end. Top fan Andrew Blake said a perfect 10. Absolutely brilliant. I'm very pleased that they acknowledged that Tuvok was not dead. I was telling my wife that if they leave that unknown, I was going to lose sleep for years. (laughs) Must be a Voyager fan. Thanks, Andrew. Top fan Wayne Bruce gave it an 11, which, of course, is counted as a 10. Jordy didn't lose his girls. The crew survived. And... Worf made a threesome. Yay! <laughs> Jenna Stone, a 1701. Come on, Jenna. <laughs> a wonderful show. Love the final episode. An unexpected Q appearance at the end credits. Oops, spoiler alert. Love that it ended with a poker game, same as last episode of the TV series. Love that Seven is a captain, and Shaw recommended her before he died. Love that Walter Koenig cameo and nod to the young actor Anton Yelchin. Love that Worf got the best funny line, I'll make a threesome, and snored. Oh, that was so heart-touching when they were back on the D. However, disappointed we never got to see if Picard reunites with Laris. Whoop, whoop. Disappointed there was no reference to Kestra. Whoop, whoop. Surely there has to be an ST Titan show. Yeah, we would think so. Maybe Star Trek Legacy. We'll see. Jim, this gives us a fan score this week of a mighty 9.8, which I will tell you that there are not many 9.8 out there uh, for our our fans. We've got this one. Um, I believe that we had uh, one episode. uh, uh, We had a Quality of Mercy back in Strange New Worlds, and the opener Strange New Worlds, the very first episode, was a 9.8. Aside from that, uh, you know, we had like the, the people love the Discovery season four closer, but nine point eight is just right up there in the upper echelons of what our fans think about Star Trek. So I don't know. I want to talk about this. I want to talk about is it all nostalgia or is there some real meat behind this? And we're gonna find out. But first, we gotta to talk to Charles. Is Charles there? Yeah, computer. Okay, go ahead and sit back and relax a bit. This was a definite one where there was a lot of Easter eggs. As oh, a lot of our fans mentioned, President Anton Chekhov, son of Pavla Chekhov, and named also after Anton Yelton, the Pavla in the Kelvin universe. Interesting that it was played by Walter Koenig, the actor who originally did Pavla Chekhov. And also that the warning he had to plunder Earth. Very similar to the same one the president gave the Enterprise crew on Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. Q-Who, TNG, Season 2, Episode 16. And Picard, what we started 35 years ago, ends tonight. We believe that's a reference to the first time we saw the, we saw the Borg. TNG. The movie First Contact. Is this the same cube? 
It's the same board queen and the same voice of the board queen. Voyagers Endgame, Season 7, Episode 35 and 36, referencing the poisoning of the Borg by a neurological pathogen. Uh-oh, Star Wars reference, Star Wars Return of the Jedi. Here goes nothing, said by Lando and Data. Lines of the Borg Cube, similar to the Millennium Falcon flying through the Death Star 2. Picard linking the cube with flashbacks to Star Trek First Contact. TNG, Skin of Evil, Season 1, Episode 23. Use of a hologram of someone before they passed away. As we saw with Tasha Yar, we saw with Captain Shaw. TNG's Naked Now. Season 1, Episode 3. The second time, Dade has tried to use the same joke and never got it finished. There was a young lady from Venus. He did a, got a little farther in the joke in Season 1. Didn't get very far in the uh, Picard episode. TNG's Measure of Man, Season 2, Episode 9. And All Good Things, Season 7, Episode 36. And you're thinking, Subcommander, what do these two have in common? This was the first and last poker game of the TNG series. I did not realize, but Measure the Man was the first poker game they'd ever played. Picard is, uh, the actor is a Shakespeare alumni. So, of course, Picard has a quote, a little bit of the tragedy of Julius Caesar. When he's at the bar and does the toast, that's actually a line said by Brutus. TNG and Point, all good things, Picard season two. The Trial of Picard and Humanity. So with all that, now you can sit back up and we can start discussing the episode. Yeah, I'm I, I'm excited. Let's dive right in. Let's what do you say we start off with the with the Anton Chekhov right at the beginning. What a way I, I actually had to go back to the credits to make sure that that actually was Walter's voice. And it was. And I was like, wow. Uh, like Charles already said, it was definitely a nod to Star Trek Four. But if you paid attention to the graphics, that was the opening uh, nebula scene that we see in the beginning of every episode of TNG. And I thought that was awesome. That was so, so cool. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that was cool about that was that uh, there's a great interview that uh, I can't remember where I saw it. Was it on the was it on the Seventh Rule po- podcast? But basically, they interviewed um, Walter Koenig, and they were talking about recording that. And they were trying to decide whether or not to record it with a Russian accent, right? Because Anton the Sun may or may not have actually been raised in Russian. So they decided that most of it would be recorded without the Russian accent, but that when he quotes his dad, 
um, he will use the Russian accent because that's how his dad would have said it. So I thought that was really special too. That was cool. And, and I want to start off with something that nobody mentioned, which I thought was the coolest thing. You guys remember how the episode started? Every episode of Star Trek starts off with the Star mm-hmm. Trek Universe logo. And yep. in this particular one, it, there's a board uh, cube in the background. Yep. The logo gets assimilated. The Enterprise D flies around it, and you actually hear the Star Trek First Contact, I don't know what you want to call it, board theme, playing in the background as the logo gets assimilated. That was the coolest way to start an episode, and to see the Enterprise D get to do that flyby was so awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't... I was going to say, I don't know that nobody noticed it because it was the first thing that I noticed uh, when I watched the episode. I thought that was really cool because that's now become a thing in all the new Star Trek shows, right? They do that rainbow logo flyby, and you always get a shot of what what ship it was going to be. And it, it's been the Titan up until now, but they switched. Yeah. yeah. And, a, and a great uh-huh. way to kind of declare themselves and kind of announce, you know, really dramatically, this is a, this is a special episode. This is something yeah. a little different. Yeah. Right. And uh, because it's just you've got, you know, I mean, it's easy to not mention it because watching this episode, this, you know, season series finale, I mean, it's just one thing after the another. I mean, it was extremely well constructed in terms of delivering, you know, really good audience engaging moments, I think. Yeah, it was good. And, you know, it was I got to um, I got to watch it. Jamie and Karen, of course, Karen. and TNG, we go way back. Uh, Jamie wasn't born when TNG aired, um, obviously. So a lot of the references that were in, in, you know, this episode, I had to point out there, like the, the significance of the game and stuff like that. Um, and in fact, we just watched the season finale again before the podcast. And Jamie's with us right now. How you doing, Jamie? Good. I I I love the episode. I mean, I think that I don't think they could have concluded Picard in any better way. But I I did love the ending. I'll start out with the ending. I'll just go backwards for a second. I will start by saying, you know, I I did enjoy the references to Next Generation, which is my one of my favorite Star Trek series. Of course, I wasn't born when TNG aired, but I still like it. Of course. And then, again, you know, Love, Discovery, I'm a little bit sad. That show is going to be ending, but that's not until next year. But talking about Picard, I I, I gave this a 9 out of 10. The reason I'm saying that is because I still think that they could have made a better reference to some of the characters. Like, you know, we still don't know, you know, I know that Girardi had nothing to do with it, but I think they could have done something a little bit better than just having the her go off and say, okay, she's just a Borg. The Borg are dead because Captain Janeway infected them and killed them all years ago. But, you know, okay, maybe they could have had one or two alive and maybe we could have seen the cutest reprise. But I did like how, you know, Picard went back and talked his son into not becoming a Borg. And I just like that kick-ass scene where he's just he just wakes up and says, Wait a minute. Why the heck am I am I being a stubborn little jerk? I I still have something to live for. I I I need to get out of depression mode and 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 save everyone on this ship so that we can get back onto the Enterprise. And and he, that's just what he did. 
just in that moment, I was thinking that he wakes up, unplugs himself, unplugs his father, aka Picard, and then and then Deanna Troy has this this epiphany, and she telepathically communicates with Riker, and it's almost as if he 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 says to her, but he didn't actually really say anything because she communicates telepathically, and then they just the Enterprise hovers over. They get beamed up and the board cream explodes. I just think kudos to the director there because they, they did that really, really well. It was just a very smooth transition from when, when he unplugged his father. They all think they're going to die. Riker looks up and then there they are. And then you just, oh, there's the board queen exploding and that's the end of that. But then I also liked when you got to the end of the show, spoiler alert for anyone that hasn't watched, as they say in Ready Room, you might want to tune out and go watch the episode. But I like when they when they got back onto the Enterprise and, and you know, the, the look on, you know, Crusher's face when she sees her son. And then the I also, I love that. She just hugs him and just complete satisfaction and, and love. She was just, she was just so happy that everyone survived, and I love that Riker kissed Deanna, and then, you know, they said, welcome to the Enterprise, and they all sit down, and, of course, Worf sits there and, and meditates, you know, Data's Data. They're all themselves, and I guess what I'm saying is make a long story short, as I was saying in the comments, and you might have seen it, is, you know, they concluded all the characters perfectly. You know, they ended everyone's story plot. You know, they, they couldn't have ended it any better way than with the original next-gen feel of a, of a relaxing poker game. And then it leads me to believe that when Q showed up at the end, when we have when we have Jack settling in on Enterprise G, you know, maybe maybe they're, they're leaving it open. Okay, my father thought you were dead. So when, then he turns around and sees Q, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, so then why would they have Q show up? if that doesn't hint to maybe a spinoff series called Enterprise G, or maybe they call it Jack instead of Picard. I don't know. What What are your thoughts? I thought it was great. Absolutely. What did you think, Eric? Did you like the Q thing? Uh, so specifically the Q thing? Um, uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, for me, like, I... I don't know. I, I found um, there were there were few good kernels of awesomeness for me to pull out of season two, and for them at the very end of season three to sort of invalidate the whole Q story in some way. I I didn't really care for that. I actually thought that was one of the weaker parts of this episode. I will just tell you, overall, love this episode, but the Q part of it, I was kind of like, okay, here we go again, like. It's interesting because Terry McAllis gave an interview where he talked about that he he said he feels like, you know, the best science fiction has be, ends where it begins. And, you know, he's obviously referring to so much science fiction out there. Um, I'm thinking specifically of like that new Battlestar Galactica show, which sort of goes back to the beginning. You know, he was looking at this show. He's like, oh, we have to end where we begin. But do we have to begin where we begin? So, I, I don't know. I I just want some new stuff. So, I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm totally into the cool Q thing, but there's a lot more to talk about, too. Oh, there's so much. I mean, tons well, of stuff to talk about. 
Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up one little point I've heard that might make a little bit of sense in a Q scene. Somebody made the point of thinking Q looked just a slightly bit younger in that scene, and made the point maybe this is a younger Q. This is not the Q from season two. Well, I don't know what I what I felt out of that Charles was that they basically set it up so that somebody else can take over the role of Q and kind of play that part with Jack Crusher and I have to tell you okay it's it's great for nostalgia but god for god's sake I've got 55 years of Star Trek I've seen it all give me something I haven't seen before why do I have to recycle the Q story regardless of who the actors are that's my feeling on it true well while we're that talking about something new let's 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 dive right in what did you guys think about uh seven and tuvok and the holographic message from the dipshit from chicago amazing like uh, one of the best parts of this episode honestly yeah yeah Absolutely. um no no the fact that um you you find out not only you know, we, we kind of have this, like, slow arc for Shaw, right, where he doesn't call Seven her real name until the moment he dies, which you kind of want him to do it a little bit before that, but he never does. But then you find out post-mortem that he does understand it, and he's just got this weird way of trying to communicate with her. And he, he recommends her for captain because he recognizes that, yeah, she's a rule breaker. Yeah, she doesn't do what she's supposed to do but her heart's in the right place and she embodies the kind of deepest, um, you know, elements of Starfleet that are, that are out there. So I, I just thought that was really super touching. That, that really was, I was like, wow, because I, I kind of fell in love with Shaw near the end and then they killed him. And I thought, well, that we're not going to see him again. Surprise. We did. And I well, and it was, was fun to get, was it was great. fun to get Tuvok back as not a changeling and it was fun to get Tuvok back in a role where he is superior, you know, not superior. What's the right word? Outranks uh seven Commanding. And, and gets to like yep. tell her what's what. You know? <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool. I like that. And you know, if we're talking, we can't we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the voice of the Enterprise D as they're walking off at the voice. end. And Riker says, I missed that voice. And come on, <laughs> yeah. we shouldn't tell you guys who that voice is, but I, I, there's a lot of people out there that, are, that might not know because, you know, they're young or whatever. But that voice, of course, is Major Barrett Roddenberry, um, who played Deanna Troy's mother, Loaxana, on TNG, and number one in the cage. And she was the voice of the USS Enterprise, and she was a voice again in this episode, which I thought was great. Just to hear her voice again on Star Trek was awesome. So I, I wanted to point that out as well. Just so much. So much. Uh, yeah, I don't even know where to go. There was so okay, much. Uh, well, Tim, let's, so, yeah. how, about the, or how about our Return of the Jedi reference? Have we ever seen the Enterprise that maneuverable? Yeah. And can that can our doctor <laughs> fire weapons array? So now, so so like, here's the thing. 
I want to take that scene and I want to I want to take it and set it to the Star Wars theme by John Williams as the as <laughs> as the Millennium Enterprise flies through the superstructure of the Death Star to destroy the core. Meanwhile, yeah. the father and son fight for their souls over a battle of good and evil, while the evil Queen Palpatine overlooks the battle. I mean, the whole thing was stolen from Star Wars, all of it. Yeah. Point well, okay. Up. The the but, line here. The line where Data says, here goes nothing. I actually saw the clip. That's exactly what Billy D. Williams says when they go into the trenches with the Death Star. That's his exact word. Here goes nothing. That's why they gave that look to Data. But like that's, that, was a, that was an honor to Star Wars. So I love this episode. Uh, but but um, some constructive criticism, some things that I noticed... That's one of them. Uh, the, 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 but when did a board cube become the size of a Death Star? I mean, we've seen the Enterprise in front of the board cube many, many times. Uh, and it's never been like, like Death Star size. Um, like no. One of the things you've got to keep in mind when they show board cubes on television is the relative distance between the cube and the ship. And so I believe, and granted I haven't watched it in the last couple of days, but I believe that if you go back to episodes like All Good Things and that sort of thing, and you look at the relative size of the board cube to the Enterprise, it is, it is significantly bigger. I don't think the board cube was the size of a Death Star here, but it was the size, uh, you know, I mean, it was, it was pretty darn big. And when they show that, it was, when, it was huge. It was bigger than any cube we've ever seen. I mean, it was the size of a small moon. Well, yeah, it was pretty big. You know, I mean, also, go back. They mentioned that it was also wasn't it supposed to be like some sort of transport uh, corridor thing? I mean, yeah, I mean even not, when you look at board stations, they're not ships. They're pretty big. This was just about the size of the red dot of Jupiter, but a little bit tinier than that, but not going by size, just, you know, this, it wasn't all that, that big, but it was probably the biggest we've ever seen as far as the shape of a cube on screen. Yeah, it was, it was huge. I mean, for the Enterprise to to take that long to fly through the thing, uh, it's pretty big. And how did it get to Mars? How did it get there and no one noticed? Yeah, that's what I was wondering. <laughs> but uh, at any rate, I, I enjoyed it. But guys, all that stuff that is, just, is just dramatic conceit, right? It's just setting something up. I mean, it's just, I think it's a little uh, missing the point to get hung up on the, all of the physical minutiae of just putting the Thank plot you. together. And, you, really, yeah. I mean, is this what we want to be talking Thank about? You. This is not... This is the least interesting well, stuff out of the entire episode. It's not I interesting. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's, it's well, dull. I mean, let's talk about the characters. Let's talk about the story, not the, not the architecture. Not I mean, we've seen... Go ahead. Go ahead, Jim. Yeah, I'm go, ahead. go ahead. I mean, we've seen, we've seen, we've seen the, the D fly through, like, asteroids and, like, the Pegasus, right? So we've seen similar things like that overdone. I mean, but, you know, it's just like, but... And yeah, it's a lot like Return of the Jedi. I mean, obviously, right? But it's just, it seems like it's, there's a lot more interesting stuff here that I'm, I think is more fun to get to. It's about the, oh, well, the story. I, I just, 
than the, uh, you know, the, you know, we've only got like an hour. We got like 36 minutes. Okay. Well, why don't, why don't you, why don't you jump in and then uh, I'll, I'll jump in afterwards. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I just think that what they did with the characters on this show was, was fantastic in this episode. When you think about how much stuff they had to weave together and, and resolve things and do it in a satisfying way, I, I think it was done extremely deftly. I mean, there's a lot of moving pieces, a lot of individual story arcs, and you're really weaving two groups of characters together to try to do it in a satisfactory way that, that pleases the audience, right? You've got the old school legacy, you know, next-gen cast, and then you've got Seven of Nine in there with Rafi and uh, and the new folks. Call them the Titan Group, if you will, right? You know, Jordy's daughters, Shaw, all of that, right? I, it's super. I think it, Shaw is a super poignant character, right? And I think you know, it's one of the things that we have heard from the from last week. People really miss that guy. And is he for sure dead? I don't know. I mean, it's science fiction. Anything can happen. Right. I mean, so I don't know that we have to necessarily completely, you know, buy into the fact that the Shaw's gone. You know, I'm missing a hundred different ways I could bring the guy back. Right. But on a kind of nice setup at the end, I mean, you know, you've got a, you know, after all of the angst and, uh, you know, uh, Picard's reluctance to step into the mantle of, of being a father. Right. The scenes with him and Jack at the end where he's really made acceptance of that are really quite wonderful. Right. The scene where he's on the board cube and he's really super defensive of Jack when he sees that he's basically becoming another locutus. Right. And that whole you know, persona that he's in was really, really great with the point that he's willing to do. He's really caring. He's willing to sacrifice. He's willing to take the frickin Borg injector and plug it into himself as a, you know, the thing he said he would never do as he's been running away from for 30 years that he would do that in order to make a bridge connection back and try to save his son. I thought that stuff was really compelling. And then at the end, it's a lovely, it's, it's the end of this episode was like Return of the King. It was, it was like, you know, a bunch of after the conflicts resolved and the born queen's been, uh, you know, overcome. I mean, there were so many great little grace note scenes they gave us in a row to, to be able to have a fond farewell to these characters, right? A bunch of them. And they were all really effective. And I think that they, they really, you know, that's the stuff that I think I'm going to come away with remembering uh, emotionally, not whether or not the ship could fit in between two girders, right? I mean, it's just the, when Beverly, you know, Beverly and Picard, they're like, you know, parents dropping their kid off at college, <laughs> when they're taking him to his first posting, right? I mean, the, and there he is in his ensign's uniform or whatever he is, right? Uh, that was just really great. And here he is, and we're seeing that, oh, my God, here's this ship. What is it? And look, oh, it's been renamed. And, and you know, the look on Patrick Stewart's face when he realizes what they've named the ship was just beautiful. I mean, really a, a beautiful moment for him was just great. The way they set it up when everybody left the bridge for the last time and Jordy has to basically, you know, whatever command he, he orders, you know, shut down the, you know, de, you know, disengage the ship or shut it down or whatever. It's, it's a powerful little moment. It really, really is. And, uh, you know, I, it wasn't to me, it, it, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Here we are in the bar and then we're playing poker. Is that going to feel repetitive? You know, when held up against the uh, ending of, 
all good things? No, I thought it felt really unique and it fit well and was really quite funny and natural in places. But the moment for me that I thought was just remarkable, uh, that was just impossible to overlook, uh, was when Picard does the speech from Julius Caesar. I mean, I just thought that was just, you know, there is a tide in the affairs of men. That was just, that summed up their whole journey together in one, you know, ma- magical emotional speech. It was perfect for the actor. It was perfect for the character. Uh, it just knocked me right out. Uh, I thought that was an incredible note to leave it on. So super effective. Um, so many good emotional moments in here. Um, great to see seven getting her own command. Um, and I didn't, I, 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 you know, I'm kind of like with Eric, right? I, I really kind of feel like I should be more bothered by Q coming up again, <laughs> being exhumed and recycled. I really would rather have something new, but, you know, it kind of worked. And I think their goal really is not like in something like this. I think they're, they're being a little shrewd, a little mercenary. It's like, you know, they're not out to you know, ring the originality bell in any huge major way. They're trying to get a powerful fan reaction that helps them launch a new series. And I think it's been forever since I've seen Star Trek get this much moving the needle into like 10-11 zone on the pop cultural zeitgeist as with this episode. I mean, this got such intention. It got such a big reaction across everything. It really became an event finale and 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 people just responded you can't you can try to aim for it but you can't manufacture it right at the end of the day uh, they had a huge reaction from people and uh, there may have been a lot of folks that took issue with things you know it's easy you know there may not be another picard series but if you're launching a legacy series it's easy enough to have picard show up for a cameo in the very opening scenes like you know they did for Deep Space Nine, where we see, oh, there he is living with Laris, and he has some kind of strange open marriage with Beverly. Who knows? I mean, they can, <laughs> they can easily bring them back to have a grace note scene like that that does answer some of those questions, right? So I don't think we've seen the absolute end of these characters. I'm sure that they may pop up some of them again. Um, I would love to see more of Brent Spiner on other things uh, after having him come out again. He's just a delight to watch. So for me, uh, consummately, this was a 10 uh, all the way. I mean, is is it the most original Star Trek ever? No, it's not. But did it completely uh, galvanize the entire fan community in a positive way that made us feel good about what Star Trek can do again and, and, and succeed in what they were trying to do? I think they succeeded admirably. So for me, it was a 10. Excellent. A 10. I don't think we've had many 10s, have we? Mm-mm. Not from Paul. No. Last week, I gave last week a 10. Last, last week was a 10 for me. Last week was first 10 from Paul. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah, it's super satisfying. They, you know, it's just like they, I think they, you know, what was the resonance like? What was the whole feeling, right? It's just uh, when, when things feel good and, and they're well-written and the characters are putting together and you can just kind of sense that the, the – I mean, look at the, look at the comments that we had for the most part. I think we had one seven who was, you know, something that they didn't appreciate. They would have liked a more original story or something, but I, I don't think that was the, I don't, I don't think that was the mission here. All right. I mean, the mission was to really, you know, uh, in, you know, embrace all those things. I don't think that nostalgia and fan service 
has to be a bad thing in and of itself when done gracefully. And, uh, and I feel like this was done gracefully. I feel like, you know, if you, this looked to me like a cast that was having a hell of a good time and that was really enjoying themselves and felt that they were able to, uh, you know, respectfully have one more chapter. I mean, with their characters in, uh, an effective way that didn't feel cheap. Right. I don't think it, any of this felt to me cheap. Uh, the reactions folks had to things seemed really genuine and, uh, I think they're in a really it, – it's good news for the entire franchise, whatever shows you like, right? Whether you're a, a, a Discovery fan, you know, Strange New Worlds, whatever, right? It's good news. Or if you're, you know, hoping for a legacy show that hasn't yet to be officially announced, right? It's good news because these kind of reactions, uh, that's fuel for the rocket. And that means that they're going to have a lot more uh, success, based on the way they pulled this off because they pulled it off really successfully. Amen, brother. Amen. What do you think? What do you, what do you think, Eric? Jump in here. Uh, yeah, I, man, I can't disagree with anything Paul really said. I mean, I don't, I don't know how much more I can cover. I'll, I'll say, you know, there were, there were absolutely, some plot holes here, here and there that you can um, sort of dig into if, if you'd like to, um, some questions, you know, if you're really to be a little, I don't know, scientific or something about the, <laughs> about the canon of it all. But I, I agree that I feel like the overall feel of the show, and, and when I go back and I think about the episode, you know, I don't think about that stuff. I think about the, the interactions between people. I think about that special scene between um, Picard and Jack at the end that, that Paul was talking about. Um, I don't think about the fact that, you know, Worf's teeth are too white or that space dock probably couldn't <laughs> withstand an assault from like a million spaceships for, you know, 45 minutes of an episode. <laughs> you know, I don't, I, that stuff doesn't, doesn't matter as much to me um, as what we saw overall. I thought Alice Kriege was awesome as the board queen it was fun to see her come back i had just recently rewatched um endgame myself to remind myself of where we leave the board queen uh in the tng era and uh you know could could she have survived that well she's got some great lines in this episode specifically about you know being stranded far from home no way to travel back referencing uh destruction of the transwarp hub and all that sort of stuff from voyager so i thought i thought that was really cool i liked how how they brought her back and you know we had kind of yeah i was gonna say let me throw something interesting in it was her voice surprisingly they had a woman who did the visual queen but all the voice work was done by actress. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Yeah. I mean, her voice is, you know, very, very distinguishable, I would say. And uh, it was fun how early in the season they sort of played with that voice, maybe being Beverly's voice, that sort of thing. So I liked, I liked that that was resolved yeah. here. Um, you know, there, the, the, I'll just say that the, there's so many touching moments like that. I feel like I kind of, I almost had like tears in my eyes for the last 20 minutes or so of this episode, because to me, this was the send off, not just for the crew and for all these legacy characters and stuff, but what's the one character that was always there in the TNG years that 
you know, provided the backdrop for everything. It was the Enterprise D herself. And to me, this was like the perfect um, moment for the Enterprise D. You know, I play Star Trek Attack Wing. This uh, ship, this galaxy-class starship, this is a gigantic starship by starship standards. It is not supposed to fly like a fighter. Did I care as Data was navigating it through the cube? No, it was <laughs> and fine. And can six people operate it? <laughs> yeah. It just, like, the fact that... But also really like... disbelief required, right? You just kind of <laughs> sort of roll yeah, it, yeah. And I was it's, laughing. It's television. And... It's fiction. It's sci-fi. Yeah, I was laughing and and the whole time and really kind of enjoying the moment of, you know, when Deanna says, I sense uh, somebody's having fun or whatever she says. And, you know, he gets a big smile from Brent Spiner. That was amazing. Uh, so I, <laughs> Yeah, I I just yeah. there there were so many things to like about this episode and I was I was very able to ignore what were significant plot holes. <laughs> There's no question there were significant plot holes in this, but it didn't exactly. matter to me um because it just I I was along for the ride. You know, it's interesting because I feel like these days when we watch Star Trek guys, it's a little bit different from the way it used to be because back in the day when we watched Star Trek it was because there was a Star Trek show on, and we were watching it, and that was the flagship show, right? That was the show that we were watching. Even into the early Discovery years, we had one show to watch. And now we're getting into that era where we've got multiple shows to watch, and I think that's important because when we come to things like Picard Season 3, we don't expect this now to be quintessential Star Trek in any particular way, I think we expect this to be a send-off for our TNG crew and that, you know, we don't anticipate this is going to be the way that Star Trek is necessarily made in the future. To me, this episode felt exactly like a TNG episode in so many ways. Like, it had the same pace. It had a lot of the same sorts of lines from people. It had the same, you know, kind of humor thrown in here and there. I thought it was just extremely well-written. Um, and I still hunger for shows like Discovery. Uh, you know, I'm super excited about the next season. I guess Strange New Worlds becomes the new sort of flagship after that. But I definitely, I definitely want more Star Trek that pushes the ball forward. I was not disappointed in this trip back down memory lane, though, at all. This was absolute. Yeah, uh, I guess I'm just going to go ten. Yeah, I mean, it was it was ten. I thoroughly enjoyed this. I'm going to go back and watch this episode. I've watched it three times. I'm probably going to go back and watch it another half dozen. Wow, three times already, man. That's amazing. I, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, me too. Me too. It was super satisfying. It's just I, it's I, I felt kind of like a weird, you know, void this morning. I'm like, oh, there's not a new one to watch. Damn it. I know. It's like, it's like, I know. You know it feels were, a little empty. There were a couple mid, mid-season where I was just kind of like, all right, I kind of feel like our wheels are spinning here. And, you know. You know, if we talk about the season as a whole, you know, I'm the pacing. a huge Ugh. fan of the antagonist, right? The I mean, pacing I'm, you know, was awful. <laughs> yeah, there were some there were some moments where I'm like, okay, this could be what should have been one episode somehow got squeezed into three, right? Yep. Or some, you know, <laughs> right. some things I would have liked to have seen that we didn't totally. get, right? And all that, but you know, at the end of the day, it's just like how to do, right? At the end, it's like look at it as a whole, right? And and judge it. It's just like that's a magical dismount. I mean, it really is. I mean, it's just history will be super kind in these last couple episodes, I think, you know, and I was just like, initially when, you know, the big reveal came, it's like, oh, so it's the Borg, huh? You know, I mean, was I like, uh, kind of right. after you, I was like, I really, I really kind of wish this had been something new and original, right? Like, yeah. like if the city, like if the Guardian of Forever 
became psychotic, right? And did something really, you know, became sort of ambulatory and evil. That's that would be new, right? That would be something we haven't really seen before, or some totally new creation that that is fine. But it's just you know they have to feel the need to use something that people are familiar with, and that has like a a certain reaction, right? But you know it's just like it's like if it you know. Uh, if we ever get another con story, I think we're all going to groan, right? Because it's just at some point familiarity breeds contempt, right? And we all hunger for something original, really good, bold, fresh storytelling, right? We, okay, it's the Gorn. We know it's the Gorn. We've seen it. All right, so they look different, but it's still it's familiar. What else you got? You know, show me something I haven't seen. What have you done for me lately? But still, even though it was still the Borg, okay, given that it was beautifully executed. Right. Like you say, hearing Alice Krieger and that no one's voice sounds like hers. I didn't need to see a credit to know that that was her, man. I was just eerie. She's just magnificent. Right. And uh, the design of this board queen was just freaking terrifying. She was like out of a horror movie, you know. So and and I just love when the look on that Borg's face when she realizes it. Uh oh, this is not working out like I thought it was. You know, that, that thing when the villain's plans are falling apart in front of them and she's like panicking and looking freaked out. That was amazing, right? That totally dug that. And this is, you know, uh, I think it's important to acknowledge, too, just super briefly, right? Um, they didn't feel the need to kill any of these characters. Yeah. Yay. Right? They didn't need to do that. And I think the temptation for a lot of folks, you know, oh, somebody's got to die. Rrr, rrr, rrr. You know, there'll be Worf and they'll go out in a blaze of glory. It'll be your Jordy because we didn't expect it or whatever. Right? And they held their they held their hand in that case. They didn't do it. And if that sentiment, fine. You know, pour me a big cup of it. Because it was really great to be able to say there's not one of these characters I don't have huge fondness for. And as you close the book on this season, that fondness is intact, right? I don't feel like anybody got robbed or screwed or got a, you know, a, an unnecessarily cruel departure that nobody really needs, right? I just thought that they, they handled it super well. Like you said, great writing, and uh, I'm, I miss it already. <laughs> you know, so, I really So, do. Jim, I'm, I'm specifically interested really in what you have to say about the Enterprise G, how did you feel about that whole scenario? And, I, and from the rest of the guys, too, but, like, Jim, I just, like, it, with the whole, like, no bloody A, B, C, or D, you know, the legacy of the name Enterprise, did you feel this was appropriate to introduce the G here as a renamed Titan? Well, first of all, I'm I'm with you guys all the way. I, I, I laughed, I cried, I hurled, I felt it all. I was there for TNG from the beginning, met them all at conventions in the early years and absolutely loved it. And I thought they did a great job. 100%. I think they made a lot of mistakes too. And I'm very concerned about the future of Star Trek based on this. And, um, you know, so I'm on the other side of the coin from where you guys are, but I'm always on the other side of the coin. I love Star Trek five. What can I tell you? You know, (laughs) But um, what, can you tell us what you're concerned about, Jim? Tell us about that. Okay. Well, well, I, you know, first of all, you know, canon is is not the end all be all of Star Trek, but canon is the glue that keeps Star Trek together. If you just throw everything out the window because it's convenient for a story or a feel good moment, then you, you're you're 
diluting the building blocks that you're building upon. And, you know, this was called Picard season three. If I was to grade it as Picard season three uh, and not TNG season eight, I would give it a three, a, an abysmal failure because they just ignored. And I know that you and Eric didn't like the first two seasons and that's fine, but they didn't follow through on the things that they built on in season one and season two. They just threw them all out the window and said, they're not important. We don't care. And we're going to do a TNG reunion. And if these characters don't fit in or we can't find a way to address it, we'll just ignore it. And to me, you know, as a fan of Picard season one and season two, I'm like, if this is the direction that they're going to, that, that Terry Metalis is going to go when we, when he has this great story, but it, it doesn't make sense with what happened before. We're just going to ignore it. Um, that's not what I want to see. I don't want to see that um, as great as it was. And, I, and I'm not knocking that it was, but you know, we got Kestra. Troy and Riker didn't seem to care about her at all. Rafi lost her mind over the death of Elnor. She didn't care. Was he did, did he die on the Excelsior? We we don't know. Did he get assimilated? Peck Metallus didn't care. We don't care. Forget about it. Soji, Data's daughter. Don't you think he'd want to meet his daughter? Again, they didn't care. Didn't have room. Ignore it. Laris. They really built up this whole I don't want you to die alone like I'm gonna with Q. Get Laris back together with, with Picard. They even put her in the beginning of the season, yet Forget about that story, too. Q died. Great death. One of the best scenes in Star Trek, I thought, when Picard hugs him at the end of season two and says, you're not alone. I lost it. I was crying like a baby. Again, let's forget about that and bring Q back because it because we want to in the story. Um, to me, that's lazy writing. And that's something that everybody seems to criticize Picard and discovery about, but in this case, the nostalgia of the moment, everybody just is, is okay with it. And uh, well, that's what let I'm me ask about. Jim: Is it possible that all that stuff that you mentioned, all those plot elements that they didn't do, right? All those things, right? Like Soji or Laris or whatever, right? Is it possible that that those things that they looked at at the metrics and they looked at everything and said this stuff just didn't relate to the the bulk of fans? That, they, okay, that some so, people maybe liked it, but it didn't really ring the bell. I mean, when they look at the numbers and look at the ratings, it just didn't, you know, and I'm sure they are on many Facebook groups reading at what people thought. And I think that it, it didn't, I can't even begin to tell you what Kestra looks like. I mean, I just, that was the, you know, the sketchiest drawn character ever. I mean, I can't even remember if she really existed. I mean, it was so brief and hasty. Right, and maybe they so just wanted it, to do something that was like that did resonate and really did that they knew the large percentage of fans would rock on all the fans who bailed on season one and two, that this would bring them back on board. So, so then if we're so, so the be devil's advocate in that particular point, if if they made Star Trek just to listen to what the fans wanted, TNG never would have made it out of season one, let alone season two. We wouldn't have any more Star Trek fans hated it. They hated Deep Space Nine with a passion. You can't make Star Trek on a space station. And they hated it. 
So you have to be careful with. But yeah, with, but next with, gen started off really weak in those first season or two, right? But they kept working at it and it evolved on it. And I feel like that's kind of what happened with Picard. First season, pretty clunky, but they kept evolving and said, what would make this best use of these characters? What would make a formula, given what we have, that we could really go out here and, and, and sell and, and that would be super appealing? And they kept evolving and improving it. And I feel like that's kind of the same thing, where Next Gen ended really strong, and so did this. And, you know, maybe well, there's a way in other kinds of legacy stories or movies that those components that you uh, mentioned have still uh, more stories to tell. Uh, I, I would love to see those characters come back. I just don't think that this particular story arc could serve all of them because it just didn't focus on them. I mean, it's cutting room floor stuff. Yeah, and that's just it. They they spent a lot of time on stuff that could have been spent spent elsewhere. I think the end credit instead of Q. Why didn't they show Laris and Picard on the vineyard with with number one the dog or something? I mean that. There were ways that they could have tied it together. And, you know, what about the Rafi-Seven relationship? They just scrapped that completely, just threw that out the window. Um, and, and so none of this really distracted from my enjoyment of it. I'm still going to give it a 10, absolutely. But what I'm hearing and seeing on the Internet and hearing and seeing from all the fans um, about it. It's like, well, if this is what people want, then this is what we're going to give them, and we don't care. And that's what's got me concerned, because what's the next Star Trek series going to be? They're just going to ignore everything because it's convenient, because the metrics say so? That's, that's Well, I mean, that's, how, that's, that's all of motion pictures, though, man, and all of TV, is if something doesn't resonate and it fails and it isn't well-received, it goes away. I mean, that's pretty much everything. If your box office is poor, I mean, it's show business. I mean, it really is. That's, I mean, it's, that's television and movies are a weird netherworld where art and, and commerce collide, right? And they both have to be satisfied, right? But if your movie, if your TV show doesn't really connect with an audience and there's parts of it that they don't like on a large number, you know, no amount of fealty to canon will save you. They'll cancel you. You know, because no one really, at the end of the day, it doesn't care. No one, no one's really, there may be people who are tracking that stuff and they're into it, but, but a broad canvas in terms of what they consider worth pursuing and putting enough money into to tell more stories in that environment, you got to satisfy everybody. And it really is about making, you know, the largest percentage of, of, of fans happy. I mean, that's what it's always been about. I don't think that's anything new. Right? I no, mean, if, if, you know, if they've done a better job with season three of the original series, they would have gotten two more series, two more seasons. But they didn't. Season three was really poor. And a lot of stuff that, you know, I guess we have to concede that it's all canon in season three of the original series. But I just as soon forget about it because most of it just isn't very good. You didn't like Spock's brain? <laughs> as a as a musical interpretive dance version, sure I do. I mean, it's just, but you know what I'm saying, man. You, it's fun, and I have fondness for all of those old episodes, right? But but if I want to watch good Star Trek, I'm going to watch season one or most of season two because that stuff's enduring and great writing and and wonderful, right? And and clever stuff, you know. And just I just think a lot of season one and two of 
of Picard. Well, there were some super great moments in it. They, they, they also dropped the ball a, a lot and just wasn't very satisfying. You know, I think the biggest mistake they did from my perspective was getting rid of Elnor. That was a great character. I'm saying it right, right, Elnor? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I found I him mean, really I'm... interesting. I thought that was a real waste. I mean, I was just like, here's a cool character that you could have really had a fun time and a great arc with, right? I mean, the Romulan Legolas, right? I mean, that's freaking cool. <laughs> I think people would have really loved him. He would have really had a huge fan base. He had a cool relationship going with uh, uh, with Rafi and would have easily fit into this uh, season's uh, bunch of stories, right? Been a great addition to uh, to uh, the team. Your first Romulan person in Starfleet? That would have been great. I'd love to see that continue there. I really think it's a bad call. You know, I know why they got rid of uh, Shaw, because they want to give the command to Seven, right? And they did that, but but they do. It made, they made some goofy choices all all around. But uh, but you know, I don't want to belabor that stuff, man. I want to celebrate for me what they what they did with this episode. And, and look at you know, fan. I'm just I'm really curious though. I just I'm interested how you see this as being a bad uh, a bad sign or or something new. I don't think that it's any different than how things have always been. So I'm just curious. Well, I think I think it's because in this particular case. In my opinion, as great as it was, it was just nostalgic fan service, and that's what that's but what they so, gave so I up. guess the question I guess the question is, Jim, is what would you have rather seen instead what what if you were the writer, what would you have written that wasn't written for this season? Wow, jeez. I mean, I mean, if you don't like what was there, what would have been better? I guess is what I'm wondering. You well, know, I, no, because no, no. I, I guess what Paul's no. Paul's argument is that the I writers. I, like, I said that I I didn't say I didn't like what was there. I said I didn't think that it was a it was a Picard season three. It was TNG season eight. Those are two different things. Do, do you? Let me ask you this: Do you feel that this is that? Forgetting about the, the love letter to Star Trek and the TNG characters that we've grown up with and loved for 35 years, setting that aside, looking at TNG as season eight, looking at Picard as season one, season two, and then you jump to this. Do you feel that this is the adequate way to wrap up what we saw in season one and season two of Picard? I think that if you didn't pitch this series and come in and, this season and come in with this fresh perspective, and have this new direction, I frankly don't think you would have gotten a third season at Picard because it was so unsatisfying on so many levels. I think that they came in with a fresh approach and saved it. And they were like, this is great. It's super exciting, and the legacy cast members want to participate. This sounds really satisfying. People are going to dig this. And so they got to have season three. But I think if they hadn't come up with this and weren't willing to say, God, we got to pivot, Right. It's like if you're about to crash into the wall, you got to grab the wheel and turn, brother. And I think that they had to pivot and pivot hard because I don't think anybody was looking to do more of that stuff that they had. I, I you know, the you lost them. Um, uh, Rios. Right. Another great character that they got rid of. Right. I mean, I'd, I'd love to see more of him, but I know I ain't getting that because, you know, they went and sent him on his, you know, happy honeymoon. Right. But I would have loved it. It was great. Crystal Ball, right? He, he was awesome. But I know I'm not going to get that, right? But I really don't think if they hadn't come up with a cool new idea that they knew there was an audience for, 
I don't think season three would have happened because I don't think anybody was invested enough and the numbers no way could justify them and going that, back to that water. It was the water was, you know, stale. And I think that I think Paul, you just you just made my point that I was trying to make. They went to the well with something they knew couldn't fail. They didn't give us anything new, anything different. They just went to let's do what we know is going to make money and what we, that we know people are going to like. And that's what they gave us. But I think you said it yourself. Don't you want to see something new, something different? I mean, oh, I yeah, but I think that they were on the chop. They, I think they felt they were on the chopping block, man. They, what choice did they have? You know, and it's better to well, make something that is familiar than to not get the chance to make anything. Well, they were going to do a season three of Picard either way because they had a contract for three seasons. So even if they decided not to go to TNG season eight and did a TNG and did a Picard season three and it was an abysmal failure and everyone hated it and that was the end, they still could have done TNG season eight at a, next year or, or what, you know, whatever. I think that the popularity of the Nepenthe episode of Picard, where they went back and visited Kestra and Riker and Troy, and they realized, hey, you know, we got lightning in a bottle here. This is the episode the fans liked the most. And so they gave us Berman Trek. They gave us Safe Trek. And that's, and that's not a bad thing, but that's just what we got. Huh. You know? Hmm. I mean, there's... At the end of the you day, know, though, man, this is, I, I think this is going to bring a lot of good news because, you know, say what you will, you know, like, don't like, hate, whatever. At the end of the day, the commonality that, that exists, objective from all of our thoughts, is that Star Trek has proved it can be extremely successful and popular again against a pop culture absolutely. landscape. I don't think that's a bad thing. No, that, that, that is, is definitely not a bad thing if they, if they nurture it and take it in the right direction. Yeah, Paul, I guess that's that's kind of my point with this is that I, I wasn't able to articulate it earlier, but Picard is not a series that is meant to push any envelopes. Picard from day one has been a series that has been destined to deal with Picard's uh, guilt about decisions he's made, deal with Picard's uh, emotions about uh, the fact that he never had a family. You know, it's like in and of itself, it's it's a series that isn't meant to push that Star Trek ball forward. It's meant to kind of deal with the past. So for me, that's why season three works, despite its fan service, despite its inconsistencies with previous service, uh, previous seasons, because it's, it's the type of show that's made to look backward and not the type of show that's meant to look forward. And that is why I lament Star Trek discovery, because to me, that's the show that was looking the most forward. It was the show that was paving the way for Star Trek we were going to see in the future. And we're going to get one more season. Um, I don't think Strange New Worlds is bad. And I think that there are some ways that that can push the envelope a little bit too. But man, Star Trek Discovery is something special. And, and it is not Star Trek Picard. Star Trek Picard is a show that's meant to just, you know, tickle your nostalgia bone. And that works, and I and that's great. But uh, wow, jeez, uh, I knew this was going to happen. Charles, uh, why don't you jump in and give us your score and tell us what you thought? And then we got to hear from David. Yes, I know. We're kind of going into next week's episode already. Uh, 
one thing I keep hearing on interviews. No, we're not doing Star Trek Legacy. We're not doing Star Trek Legacy. There was even a special Star Trek day yesterday just trying to get people to promote their want of Star Trek Legacy. So, one of the real cool, well, we talked about Jack and Q, which kind of makes us wonder where it's going. But one of the things I looked at that we didn't really talk about was Seven. Seven is the captain in command. And the crew is sitting there talking about, okay, your word or phrase to launch the ship and to send the ship on there is your big moment. And she about says the word and cut. Nope, we're not going to show that off. So you kind of it's like, okay, you're leaving it hanging there. That's way open-ended for saying, yeah, sounds like we could leave the show. And I really just, because I've already said, the fan put for Legacy, the number of fans backing that one is more than the fans who backed Strange Worlds. And Strange New Worlds had a huge backing to become a series. I thought it also interesting that they talked about this in Ready Room. It took them six months to build that Enterprise D bridge. And they filmed it in two days. But the stories I heard is they're not tearing that bridge. They're, they're not tearing that thing completely apart. My, my wonder is, is that going to be going to a restoration project or are they going to try keeping that available on? I'd be curious what they do with the set. We will discuss this more next week about Card Season 1 through 3. But in this episode, I'm going to give it a 9.8 because there's about a 2% 2% of what they could have done with it than they They gave us Laris in Episode 1. We could have left Laris out if we didn't want to around. It's a whole right. plot I wish they'd done something with. Well, David, I guess you get the caboose, buddy. Oh, boy. Well, first of all, hi, my triples. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, been a, it's been a while. Yeah. So, I'm actually very super disappointed with this uh, particular plot point um, that they did not bring future Janeway as the Borg for the replacement of the new villain. So I was a little disappointed. My uh, theory kind of fell through, but overall it was still a pretty good episode. Um, the whole system, uh, the, uh, uh, oh my gosh, it was so bad. I couldn't even... I almost couldn't watch it for some reason because it's a whole 
thinking about flying through the board ship was just too much to worry. I mean, I was expecting TIE fighters to follow. <laughs> and at the end, when the board ship blew, I was expecting Ewoks to celebrate. So I was just like, oh my goodness. It just did not feel like Star Trek at all to me. <laughs> However, it was still a nice send-off. I really did like the end. And also, I just wanted to point out to you guys, you guys kept saying that you didn't like Q coming back. I just wanted to mention that what's the point of the word immortal if he doesn't come back? <laughs> So, I mean, of course he was going to come back. I, I was actually kind of sad that he died in season two, but, you know, overall, he he could make a very interesting uh, addition to new stories. I mean, anything new, as long as the character comes up with some sort of, or not just the character, but uh, the story plot of the series, whatever they're going to work on next, could still be new, even with whole characters. So, to me, I, I think... Overall, this entire series was definitely better than season one and two, and the fact that season one had a completely separate story than season two, and even though, yeah, season two was a time travel episode, they didn't really mention a lot of the characters back there, even with Soji and whatnot. So, I mean, sure, she had an appearance at the very beginning of season two, but that was kind of like a send-off for her. But, I mean, in the whole series, uh, situation with Laris... I thought it was a good send-off at the very beginning of season three that she was saying goodbye. So to me, I was just like, you know, we we, we really weren't going to expect to see her again. But I'm I, I'm I'm happy with what they did. I I like this uh, season overall. So yeah, um, a lot of great moments. I, I loved it all the way. And even though they had a lot of plot points plot holes like we all discussed like the whole situation was a giant hole in the ceiling when it was open to space that thing didn't make sense to me at all <laughs> I was just like what are they just standing there for so I mean yeah either way I don't know it was a nice scene to see that the Enterprise coming up to save them and I actually thought they were all going to die down there and I thought it was going to be a send off but to me I was actually glad they didn't I liked it uh, regardless of the different plot holes. Um, so I'm actually going to be giving this, I was going to give it a 9.5, but I think I'm going to bump it up to a 9.8. All right. So there you have it. So what does that, what does that give us for a grand total, Charles? All right. We're running 9.766666. Uh, we round up to a 9.8. So we're right in we're right in line with the fans. Right in line with the fans. Right in line with the fans. Wow, that's awesome. So uh, we we went over by about eight minutes, but that's okay. That's no big deal. I want to let you guys know that next week next week we have a great show. Next week, Andy Bray is going to be with us, and he's going to be bringing along Pavel Chekhov, and we're going to be having a checking in with Chekhov episode. We can definitely talk to him about his little voiceover at the beginning of this episode and see what he thought about it. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And we'll talk more about Star Trek Card Season 3 as a whole. So that'll be next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. I want to say thank you to Jamie for calling in from the other room. Thank you so much, Jamie. And thank you to Ray for calling in from the Bronx. Uh, I hope the Yankees are are, uh, doing well against the Rangers, Ray. Good luck with that. 
And, of course, thank you so much to Eric for hanging out and truck talking with us. And thank you so much for Paul for hanging out and check talking with us. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, sir. And thank you so much to David for hanging out and truck talking with us and for bringing the donuts. Thank you, David. It was yummy. <laughs> yum, yum, yum. No tribbles. No tribbles. <laughs> uh, that's just a hairy donut, donut hole. That's true. It's a hairy little donut hole. And thank you so much to our very own Charles for hanging out and truck talking with us. Thank you, Charles. Thank you very much. It was great talk about it. And we're, we'll be back next week. We're going to have some some more fun. So don't you guys worry. You want to definitely tune in and uh, chat with Andy Bray. And I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, saying to everybody, please stay safe and be good to each other. Okay? Star Trek fans are the best fans. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Good night. Live long and prosper. Bye-bye. Let's see what's out there. Engage.